0: Welcome to Rising Tide Startups, where today's most exciting solopreneurs share their startup stories. They also deliver tangible strategies that they would implement personally if starting their business over today. Each episode is a startup masterclass. Make sure you take notes. Take it away, Kevin.
1: This is Kevin Pruitt with another episode of Rising Tide Startups, and I have a special duo guest today, Craig Clickner and Carrie Bolig. Guys, thanks for joining me on Rising Tide.
2: Hey, thanks for having us on, Kevin. We're looking forward to a nice, uh, fun, robust discussion. Happy well, to we've be here. Yeah,
1: sorry, Kerry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I'm just, I was so excited about our pre-chat and, and uh, the connection made there that I just, I, I jumped ahead of the schedule, but please take it just a moment and share a little background, a little bio with our guests.
2: Yeah, sure. So um, I have a background in finance economics and you know worked in the corporate world for some big firms, worked for G Capital, uh, you know, Deutsche Bank, BMO Harris, Um, But early on, just realized, man, I did not want to work for somebody else for eternity. Uh, And so then it was like, okay, what was I going to do? This is the early 2000s, real estate, investing, or MBA school, right? I mean, those are kind of your options.
1: (laughs) So I did all three.
2: three. Yeah,
1: Yeah, I engaged
2: in all three. But the challenge with the real estate and the investments is you can't really scale that unless you have a lot of capital. Right, and we run into all kinds of people that want to do real estate and investing, and it's like that's great, but number one, get a mentor if someone knows what the heck they're doing. Um, But then number two, like, what's your plan to scale that to a level where you could maybe replace a job income and really Mm -hmm. create the autonomy you're looking for, right? Um, So there's there's that challenge, and MBA school was um, kind of useless. I won't I won't get into that too too deep, but for me, it, it wasn't really like serving the point of, of like helping me come financial independence. It was more just like helping me get better further along in the corporate world, which I really didn't want to do. So um, I was kind of at a point where I was frustrated, but ended up running into some successful business owners who had built online revenues and actually scaled companies to several million and stepped away from corporate in their 20s. Um, and those relationships made massive impact on my life. And so We talk a lot about what are you going to do, what are you going to do, what are you going to do, and we'll we'll get into that today. But our main thing is, if you want to be successful in anything, find the right who, right. right? And if if you can start, you don't learn a foreign language and you don't uh, try to build something or or start a a sport because you don't know anyone or get a coach in that arena. You go to that arena, you find a coach, uh, or at least a mentor or a community, you know, at a minimum. So um that's kind of where in the process i met and fell in love with uh one Carrie boleg who actually met also through our mentors but we'll save you all the love story as we usually do on, well, on i know practices.
1: that Carrie majored in in like side gig management in in university isn't that in that truth there's a your specific major was directly related to what you're doing today right
0: Not quite. Not quite. There's some maybe parallels we could draw, but I studied sociology and women's studies. So have two very liberal studies backgrounds, loved my education, you know, enjoyed college, but it was that gut check of like going into the real world, getting my first job. My first job, I was an English as a second language teacher at a Chinese fine arts preschool. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of living the dream in terms of like fulfillment like getting to work with small children every day making impact in that regard but a couple things happen number one like I've been a competitor my whole life I was an athlete like year-round my entire life and there was this element of like okay things are very position-based in a job my income is capped even if I work harder than everybody else like I'm limited and that ceiling was really strong out of the gate so I think that competitor in me was like, wait, I can perform. I can work hard. Like, how can I actually explore that a little bit more? And so that led me to entrepreneurship, but simultaneously it was this reality check of like, okay, I want an amazing lifestyle. I want to be able to travel. I want to be able to like have other skills outside of education and just realizing like, basically my income was just over the poverty line. And it was this huge gap. We call it the fulfillment gap in our book. And so it nudged me to just get open-minded and be willing to explore business opportunities or really business in general. Um, And so I explored like some practical areas first, like affiliate marketing, network marketing, because I didn't have capital and I didn't have business expertise. So being able to find people who could really help hold my hand, guide me while still helping me scale something over time was really important. And so- Yeah. I mean, I'm a huge fan of like the intrinsic value of building a business because the personal development trajectory for me was just so, so great. And I wouldn't have had access to that had I just explored like one career path ultimately. Well,
1: you've already generated two quick questions I want to ask that are kind of bio-related. Number one, was there not a trip to India that kind of played in into
0: there was kind of the, the the transition
1: or the pivot here you want to touch on that real quick and then I'll save the india second question right
0: yeah really india and southeast asia so india was in my senior year of college on winter break i went there and it was amazing and i was i was reading the book the monk who sold his ferrari on that yeah. trip i recommend that book to anyone super cool book so i'm like on night trains throughout india reading this book like evaluating my life Then I find myself at Mahatma Gandhi's cremation site and his classic message, like my life is my message was over, you know, one of the walls of the museum. And it just really hit me. Like, what am I doing with my life? And it really nudged me pretty hard to evaluate, like, what are my actual values and how am I actually channeling those and investing into something that's actually going to yield like greater proportions of what's most important to me. Um, And then I launched my business, my first wave of side hustles, ended up going to Southeast Asia, backpacked around for a few months and just being in third world countries and like seeing people in villages and just seeing people who I knew I had a deeper purpose to like create more myself so I could be a better service and a greater impact to other people that kind of solidified my why in a sense. But I think traveling, if traveling is your hot button, it has a deeper, I think, greater significance to help you kind of identify what's most important and get, get people on track if they if I they do an self-reflection, right?
1: I would agree wholeheartedly. Did you did in your journey, did you go through kind of expat central and Chiang Mai, Thailand? Is that
0: oh yes, yeah. I did. Yep. I was it I did like six countries in Southeast Asia and all of them spectacular. Can't pick a favorite.
1: <laughs> one one other quick question before we kind of transition to the really the business startup story. And so you mentioned that you were an athlete. Um, I have a theory that that it, it depends on what athletes did, if they're if they played individual sports or if they played team sports. It seems like those that did individual sports seem to be a little more entrepreneurial because they've actually had to have that mindset, you know, as a tennis player or as a you know, cross country runner or something like that. That you know, that would you I mean, tell us what you did and then how that like played into, you know, how you're kind of wired today.
0: Well, it's an interesting question. I played, my most competitive sports were um, basketball. I was the point guard, soccer center midfielder. So like always had leadership roles, like pretty strong leadership roles um, in the sports that I did play. And then I also played tennis, but I was a doubles player because my ground strokes were not that good. I was just really (laughs) athletic and like good at the net. Um, So I don't quite know the psychology behind that, but I do think And my dad was like a college big 10 quarterback, like hardcore athlete. So I was just groomed my whole life. It wasn't, are you going to play sports? It's which sports are you playing? And, um, you know, being on a very intense track and all of them. So I just think that nature of like sewing into something and investing heavily into something every single day just really shaped me in so many ways. And, Knowing that if you work hard in something, you might not get results immediately, but over time, you're going to see the scale tip, and I just think you can't put a price tag on a lot of those lessons and that mindset throughout a childhood, so I'm grateful for that experience.
1: I mean, I do get a little bit of a caveat on my theory. If you are a creative midfielder or you're a point guard, you that that's like being playing an individual sport. So I, I'm going to come back and rescue my theory there just a little bit. But, but I
0: like your theory. I think that's really fascinating. And maybe you could even take the theory like athletes who were more involved in team sports, like probably like business or can excel in business, but maybe more in team environments even. For sure.
1: For sure. Yeah. Well guys, I I um I, I don't want to just stay here in bioland the whole time because then we'll miss the the bigger the bigger picture of why we're chatting today. But talk us through the kind of the business transition story. What were some things you tried early that you know that that maybe worked a little bit? You just learned some really solid lessons, or you can look back and go, what in the world are we thinking that we did that? You know, why did we sell, you know,
2: yeah, skin
1: purses for men? You know, I mean <laughs>
2: Yeah, also called satchels, right? Uh,
1: Man bags.
2: Man bags, yeah. Um, Well, for us, it was a little different journey than most um, because we really dialed into a who. I think it increased our chance of success considerably. And this will start to get into how to evaluate a business because as we were just talking, a lot of people were professionally trained to evaluate a product Mm -hmm. because we've been consumers our whole life but we're not professionally trained or even lightly trained on how to evaluate business systems. And so when most people go to look at a business opportunity, they think product. And so a couple paradigm shifts that we propose in our book, and they're not really radical paradigm shifts that most successful business owners don't know, but it's something that a lot of lay people, if we say don't know and side hustlers, you don't have to be an inventor to be in a successful business owner. Right. You don't have to have an original idea and you don't have to use your passion. So you can do all those things, but you don't have to do those things, right? And so I think when we use the word business owner and entrepreneur, sometimes they're a little too like overlap. Yep, and so I think early on in our career, I didn't consider myself an entrepreneur. I was more of like a light business owner. And so the first business we ended up really building was sort of a, a hybrid between or, or essentially direct sales and affiliate marketing. Mm -hmm. So there was a system, there was a business in a box, there was a formula, and there was a mentor that we could follow. Um, We scaled that to about a million dollars in our first several years, and that allowed Carrie to step away from her preschool teaching career. And then we continued to scale that to several million um, and also started an educational company where we coach and taught and started public speaking. Uh, And so then we scaled that to, I don't know, half a million, three quarters of a million in revenue. And so those incomes combined eventually were greater than my banking salary, So for about two years, we banked my salary, which was not only gave us autonomy when we did leave uh, five years ago, but it gave us financial security. And I think some people aren't really thinking that way. They're just thinking like, how do I create more revenue? How do I create more revenue? So um, having said that from there, um, we started doing more adventurous, like entrepreneurial type stuff. Um, And so that's where we've written a book. uh, We've launched a podcast. We uh, do more investing. So we do private equity commercial real estate investing. Uh, We have some long-term rentals, some Airbnb, and then uh, also now have a tech company that we've helped co-found. And I think we've got a nonprofit too, which I know you've done some consulting in. So, um, and then we've done quite a bit of affiliate marketing, which is an interesting thing to explore. That's where we have relationships with people. And if we just kick people to them because Mm -hmm. we have good quality relationships, we get paid on that. We probably have like six or seven affiliate type relationships that we have set up in our life. Um, And that creates other, yet other streams of revenue, right? Um, So going back to your original question, um, our game was a little bit different because we looked more for something that was going to create the lifestyle that we wanted Mm -hmm. versus like, what is the trick or the catch? And so we actually built this into the book and we've got it on our website, tandemconsulting.co, but what's called a business evaluator where you can go through and actually quantify, here's three or four different business opportunities I'm looking at. Is this scalable? Can I get in the game? Can I sell this? Because that's something people don't think about. And so there's a bit, and I'll stop after this, but there's a bit of an epidemic of people starting side hustles, but we want to help people finish them. Hmm. The only way you can finish them is if you know what finishing looks like. And so, um, as we start to get into different business models and systems, we can go deeper on this, but um, you want to know, like, what does a win look like? Why are you side hustling to begin with? Otherwise, you're just going to end up with more work and a lot more stress and maybe a little extra income. And that's not usually a win for most, especially families, right? Or
0: successful professionals. Or or a lot of people that already have a good job, right?
2: Yeah, right. When you use so, the word so finish, maybe you take us take us wherever direction you want to go from there. And well, let me
1: let me ask you a quick question. When you use the word do you mean sustain or do you mean exit?
2: Either, it depends on what your goal is, right? So, like right. our goal was to create six figures in passive income. So when we got to that spot, or even what I call progressive passive income, which is like half passive, half active, like that was like the goal. Well, then from there, there's other goals, goals that came into play. And then we started to chase our passion. So once we had that automated, or at least on pretty successful like streaming, um, then we were able to chase more of the passion projects. You don't have to do it that way. It's just the way that like we went about it, right? Right. Um, but, but again, if people don't define what a win is, then you don't really know. So, so a moving
0: target. Right? yeah, with the tech
2: yeah. company, it's totally different because the goal is to build it for five years and flip it for $50 million. So like, mm-hmm. there's no like, there's no plan to run that indefinitely. Right. It's just a flip and like a right. big kickback to the owners. Right. Yeah.
1: So this question is going to be difficult for you to answer because you have so many irons in the proverbial fire here. But if, if I stepped on an elevator and you guys are on there and I'm just really curious, hey, give me your elevator pitch. Um, I don't know which one you would narrow it down to, but if you we got ten floors, we're going up. We got about forty-five seconds.
0: <laughs> ten what, what would you still. tell me? That's
1: right. Do uh, you want to go or you want me? To no,
0: go? I think it's hard. I think that's what's hard is we we we've, yeah. we've got so many things that we do. So and it's you like not that old relatable. FedEx
1: commercial that the guy talks it's you know, about five hundred <laughs> words a minute.
2: <laughs> well, so here's here would be my elevator pitch to someone. Don't have one way to make money in the twenty-first century. That's ridiculous that's my elevator pitch, like what you want to do, how you want to do it, where you want to do it. I don't really care, but not only should you have a side hustle, you should be resolute about it, right? So it's not like, oh, I'm kind of doing this little thing. It's like, no, like go for it. And then the other elevator pitch that we would give someone is how do you want to live? Figure out how do you want to live? Like literally what's important to you? What kind of person do you want to be? And then find other people who live that way. And good chance they're probably not employees. Yeah, yeah. They probably do something, or at least they're dynamic enough where they probably do something more than just their job.
1: Right. Right. And I, you know, there are some of us that are, that are wired really as, as poor employees. We, uh, we, we just are, it's, it's difficult, you know, for us to operate within the, the constraints of that. But let me follow up a little bit with what you just said about, you know, having a side hustle and being resolute and, and kind of diversification. I mean. I think that uh, Carrie, didn't your dad tell you something maybe when you were like a senior in high school or something that mm-hmm. said hey, you got to have multiple streams of income? That that was pretty revolutionary, you know, a few years ago. Uh, I'm not going to say a lot of years ago, a few years ago. That uh, you know that that was that was pretty forward thinking for him at that time, wouldn't you agree?
0: I do, and he he's an entrepreneur, and actually he lost his job with like a he had a good career. Um, you know, when I was a small child, he got he got laid off. Um, And I think he had to then pivot. He decided to go into entrepreneurship, became a business owner the last 30 years now. But I think he lived that experience of like doing the right things, being very sold out to someone else's business, and then just like kind of having the rug pulled out from under him. So I appreciated that advice. And I don't think in the moment it really resonated, but a few months later when my timing was different and I was graduating college, it, it definitely made me think. For sure. And I I think like so much is happening in the world between the pandemic and now what we call like the great resignation or the YOLO Mm -hmm. economy, like people are thinking, they're reflecting, they've had the year of being able to work from home, work remotely, work a 40 hour job in 25 hours. And they're questioning, like, why can't I have more? Why can't I actually have what I really want? And I tell people like, it's okay to have bold frustrations, but also have bold solutions and get busy, get creative, start dipping your toe on the water and hmm. start exploring other ways that you can diversify and take back a lot of your control. Because when Craig was, when we were making more money from our side hustles and he was working at you know, a very, very strong professional career. He walked and talked very differently, knowing yeah. he had a six figure incoming income coming in outside of yeah. his job. Yeah. And I wish that for everybody to just have that peace of mind and that mm. swagger because they know they're they're really set up well no matter what happens.
1: I imagine there were some meetings that you probably said things differently than you might've said them a couple of three years ago that you were maybe a little more bold.
2: (laughs) So true. Yeah. And for us, it wasn't this like binary switch of like, no side hustle to like, now we make a bunch of money. It was like this slow, gradual build. So it was like every year of my corporate world, I was a little bit bolder. I was a little (laughs) bit like, you know, I remember once I wore like a normal colored tie to the office and my boss was like, great tie, like awesome tie. I love your (laughs) tie. Cause he was just like, so excited that I wasn't like wearing so like just something random you know I thought you're gonna say
1: I, I came in wearing like a Hawaiian tropic shirt and shorts and flip flops yeah. well,
2: well my bosses my rarely day. my bosses rarely knew where I was and this was pre-COVID because I mean and I always my clients are always happy we, we don't
0: always perform yeah like I, bad,
2: I yeah. we always say like do your job do it well yeah. But stop putting 65 hours a week in your job. Put in 45 if you have to and take 15 and go build something for yourself because yeah. that's your financial security, not not just your job. And so people get lost because we get tied into the community. We get tied into that environment. I know I did, you know, especially at GE in my 20s and stuff. It was like, man, I got to do really well here. And mm-hmm. it's like, Someday you're not gonna have that job, man. Like yeah. Someday the company might not exist. Like exactly. Relax
1: five years from now, it may not matter. But so I mean, I I know this is not gonna come as a surprise to you, but your story is a little bit of kind of like personal unicorns. I mean, it's Mm. you know, you're you you made it sound like, well, we just decided one day we're just gonna start doing affiliate marketing. The next thing we do, we got a million dollars in revenue. Sure. That is so unique, you know, in the greater scheme of things. So what I mean how do you bridge that gap from somebody that is just getting started to that you know that that just seems like a bridge too far they're like how in the world would i come and especially even even affiliate marketing has changed over the last few years and just the opportunities and the you know you you got to do things differently and how seo works and and all the things that you you guys had to had to kind of fight through but walk us back and just say Okay, if you're talking to somebody that's that's just, you know, sitting in that cube, that cube farm going, I hate my life, you know, I, I really mm-hmm. kind of want to do something different. Um, maybe they've gotten a little bit of a blended work environment where they're working, yeah you know, two or three days in the office and two or three days at home and their time is a little more flexible and they're thinking about some things to do. What, what's a great kind of starting place? There, here's two, three things you can do this week, this today, this month.
2: You want to jump on that? You want me to?
0: Yeah. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think a couple things to start is number one, identify like a real reason, a real why, because building something, no matter what industry, whether it's a startup or investments or network marketing or your consultant, like it's going to be inconvenient. And quite frankly, Mm. if you work a nine to five job or an eight to three, like the evenings and weekends are what you have to play with. So identifying, Hey, am I actually willing to do that? And if you're not, that's perfectly fair. But being really real and honest with yourself is key because a lot of people, they want the big game, they want the big end game, but they're not willing to actually do what it's going to take to yield success. And we had to be open with ourselves early on that like what we wanted long-term was worth some inconveniences Mm -hmm. and some BA work ethics. Yeah. Um, The other thing would just be expectations. It's challenging in today's age with social media, and, and everybody's success mm-hmm. just looks easy.
2: Yeah, you right. See
0: the highlight le- highlight reel; it looks sexy, it looks polished.
2: Or, or they're not even successful; they just show that they are.
0: Well, that's yeah, the that's other right. hard thing. They rent that. Exactly like a <laughs> that's right. Checks and balance system on social media, which is fine. Like we have to use our own discretion as consumers. That's on sure. us in so many ways but finding people who are setting an example and like sharing the hard stories, sharing like, yeah, this isn't going to be easy. It's not going to happen overnight. If you're building like a long-term business, it's going to take some progressive Mm -hmm. uh, investments, monetarily, energy-wise, you're going to have to get some skin in the game. But if you've been an employee your whole life, you've associated with employees, you have had maybe an academic mindset, you're going to have to overhaul a lot mm-hmm. of your thinking. Yep. And that's a, a decision people have to be willing to make. Because if you're stubborn and you're like, no, I'm just going to stay how I always have been, but I'm going to try and operate in a different quadrant, Good luck. Because the joke's kind of on you because you're the business owner now. (laughs) It might have worked in your employee gig because you were the employee. But once you become the owner, the joke is really on you. So a lot of unlearning has to happen. And how do you unlearn? You educate, but a lot of education in business is experiential learning. Right, And I think you referenced that in the beginning, Kevin, and, and, and growing up, I think a lot of us are groomed to like not make too many mistakes, like make mistakes, but not too far yeah, out right. of your lane. Don't fail big. <laughs> Don't right. fail big. Yeah. And, and when we're coaching people, it's like, get really good at sucking. Mm-hmm. A lot of people suck at sucking and it actually puts a huge hinge in their ability to actually grow in an entrepreneurial environment. Cause you have to sort of fumble initially. If you've never right. done it before, you're going to make a ton of mistakes and hopefully with the right association and like backstops yep. with maybe a good coach or a good mentor. Um, you can, you can plow your way through it over enough time, but you have to have that confidence and persistence to be able to actually know, like project that a little bit. And then, be willing to actually work through it in reality. So those, those would be a few of my top tips.
1: I think yeah. that even VC firms are are kind of, real, they, they kind of almost like to work with somebody that has failed that They failed at something before because they kind of tasted that. And they know that they mm-hmm. don't want, they don't like that taste, you know? Um, yeah. Craig, go ahead. I'm sorry.
2: Oh, no, that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. You also want them to have had success though, too, right?
1: Sure. No <laughs> uh, doubt. No, no doubt. At least yeah, pathway you want, you headed want, there. You want both right.
2: if you're going to throw yeah, your money right. at something. I am really good at that failing. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, you give
1: right, me $10 million Yeah. yeah.
2: Right. <laughs> um, so a couple of things, most people overestimate what they can do in a year as a business owner and then underestimate what can happen in a decade. Mm. And so we've seen this with financial planners, uh, insurance agents. I mean, podcasting, the list goes on and on. It's like your first year, you don't have any traction, you don't have any credibility, your skills are low, your expertise is low. How do you expect you're gonna be nearly as good as you will at year four or mm-hmm. year five? Yeah. And so there's sort of this thing that like, if I'm not good right away, and I'm not passionate about everything, then I'm failing. And it's like, no, that is how you learn to walk. That is how you learn to write. You suck and you push through it. So yeah. to Carrie's point, um. So having a little bit of tenacity, like, hey, this is going to be a multi-year process for me. Right. Um, and then, how do I acquire the skills to succeed? Right. It's not because I think um, we were on a podcast yesterday. It was really good, and and the lady said like a lot of when I was before I went into consulting and got good, I just thought it was like into this magical, mystical process. Mm-hmm. And so you can demystify being mm-hmm. a business owner. By going and doing it and attacking it and developing the skills along the way. And if you already have an expertise, like in some form of consulting, then now you just have to learn the business owner skill. If you don't have that, now you've got to learn both. So then it's just a little bit more of a potentially uphill battle, right, but right. it can totally be one. And don't define victory as like, I'm a billionaire. Define victory as you see value, right? Like, And then, then you can accomplish those incremental wins and grow from there
1: you guys, I don't know if you reference it here, but uh, I know that, that, that in your philosophy, it's big to, you know, identify people that you think are, are successful and have done well at what you want to do. And then go, you know, hang around them, you know, take them on as mentors, emulate what they're doing and kind of try to replicate that kind of in your own context. So how important is it that, that you have somebody, you know, that, that, you know you can kind of shorten that learning curve a little bit and, and really learn uh, it's, it's i mean carrie mentioned a minute ago kind of the mindset too i mean it's it really is a mindset shift as well right
0: i mean how much time do you have right like <laughs> i didn't want to take multiple decades to be able to be you know a fairly independent operational person so it was like i'd rather have the rewards earlier than later so it just, it felt like very logical to me, yeah. even jumping on LinkedIn, I've only been active on LinkedIn, posting my own content for a couple of years. So when mm-hmm. I flipped the switch and said, yeah, I'm, I'm going to invest into this. I'm going to grow new skills. I'm going to be uncomfortable. I went and hunted down LinkedIn local in my area. I studied, I like picked the brains of local people who I admired, you know, Ch- 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 Chantel Sumas really amazing woman on LinkedIn. Like I tried to get in her back pocket as much as I could and learn from her. So it's not just in business. It's like, what skill mm-hmm. do you want to acquire and All who right. does it? And how do you, how do you go chase it down? And and we've done weird things to chase down good thought process. And we're not ashamed of that. Yeah, Like we'll jump on a flight if we need to. We'll you know, have really strong follow-up. We'll slide into someone's DMs if if, if it's important enough, but just right. having that tenacity and that confidence that like you're worth it to fight for that time mm-hmm. and that you'll do good things with it too. Like you'll be a good steward of the time that you do get from somebody who's got an expertise. Even Craig's got a mentor in meditation, which has been really neat to watch. So it's again, not just like a business right. principle, it's apply it to More every lifestyle,
1: you know, I, yeah. but you guys are good at passing that forward or paying that forward too. So, I mean, you know, you have benefited probably from people that have been ahead of you on the journey and I not know just, you know, kind of vicariously have seen, you know, how you guys have done that as well. I mean, you have, you have, you know, even in, in answering, you know, comments on on LinkedIn and things like that. I mean, it's not like, you know, here here's my link to sign up for a $500 coaching yeah. call, you know, it's, <laughs> you know, let me, let me speak into this, but, uh, Craig, you mentioned something that just a second ago about, about being um, not only diversification, but, but being resolute. Um, I, I love that word. And I, I think that, um, uh, and it may have been on, a, on another interview that I was listening, you guys were talking about the idea that, that you can really tell how dedicated someone is to making this work by how they're spending their time you know, like that, that time that, you know, Carrie, you mentioned a minute ago, the, the nights and weekends that, you know, you're kind of allotted outside of your day gig, you know, it is, it really is a, a, like a, a re-education process, because if you're in, a, if you're just a, a kind of a nine to five employee, you have compartmentalized in your mind, my days and weekends are my personal time. They're, they're the time mm-hmm. I, I do binge on Netflix. They're the time I do kind of, do my thing that I want my leisure activities and you're really having to flip that switch and I would imagine I had never thought of that before how difficult that might be for somebody to try to transition out of that into this you know more entrepreneurial mindset I mean would you agree
2: yes I would agree um I think Carrie talks about this a lot, but, you know, we consider ourselves more the ambiverts of entrepreneurship. So we're not like hardcore Elon Musk's. And we're also like, didn't want to sit in a cube for the rest of our lives, you know, to to reference the nine to five. And so I think most people are on a spectrum. Mm -hmm. So you have to understand where are you on that spectrum? And I think that most of us grew up in an employee-based environment and conditioning. So we think we're further to the E than we might be to the big B. But once we get in discover and play around, we might start finding that entrepreneurship or business ownership for us has never been much about clocking hours. It's been about energy and excitement. And so like, if you asked us, well, how many hours did you put to grow your first business in a week? It's like, I don't, wouldn't even know how to answer that. We don't have a
0: spreadsheet (laughs) calculating that. Yeah.
2: I mean, I remember my dad who's an engineer and he's like, well, how much time are you putting in and what's your profit? And it's like, what the, heck are you asking me? Like, I don't even, I don't even get it. Like we're either going to win or we're not going to win. Right. Yeah. Um, it's so binary. For, it's, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So for different people, it's, you have to understand where you are on that spectrum and what you want to accomplish. Cause if you're like, oh, I want to grow a million dollar business in three years. Okay. well, forget the, get rid of your bucks games and your sports tickets and like yeah. a lot of that kind of stuff. Cause you're going to need to be dialed in. Um, but I think a couple, a couple things that can really help people a lot is to consider energy management versus just time management. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. I find when I have good energy, I'll do whatever work I need to do. And when I'm low energy, I wanna watch Netflix or I wanna like relax or I wanna do the things that aren't gonna help me grow a business. And so how we manage our energy is oftentimes just as important as our quote unquote time. And so figure out ways in the corporate world Uh, to manage that energy and contain it and figure out when you have your lulls. Um, For me, just a couple of quick hacks that will probably relate to other people. Like I can't eat a lot of carbs. If I eat a big lunch, I'm going to be sleepy. Mm. If I eat a big dinner, I'm going to be sleepy. So I have to eat light during the day um, and figure out like how to manage that. If you take caffeine, take it when you really need it. Not like just because you feel like it and then you crash two hours later. Yeah. Yeah, Cause cause like for us five o'clock was like go time. I mean, it's like, that was like, I got in my car and I ripped off the Clark Kent outfit and it was like Superman entrepreneur for like hours, right? Now somebody might not have that level of ambition, but like you got to figure out how to tap into that energy and excitement, maybe bring yourself back to why you're doing the work. Mm-hmm. I think I think there's always key. going to be some part of a business ownership you don't like. Yep. And that that's yep. not a bad thing. That's also part of it, just like your job or exercise. right? Yep. So um, I think when it comes to to that, I mean, energy management is kind of an interesting thing that people don't talk about much.
1: I think for sure. I, and I, I love the idea that's kind of driven by your why. It's, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, marriage, parenting, anything that is worth doing, you there has to be a reason to to mm-hmm. stick it out through the tough times, and there are yeah. going to be tough times. I mean, you know, Seth Godin talks about the dip. You know, how do you how do you make it through that dip? But you said something a minute ago, Craig, that, that uh, I you know I've, I've got a ADHD probably that I have to focus, you know, because I've got so many thoughts going on in my mind but I, I'm going to coin a new word. You mentioned the spectrum. I'm not on the autism spectrum. I may be on the opposism spectrum, you know, where yeah, it's, yeah, it's trying to decide, That's great. you know, I where that. I fit on that spectrum of working let's, in the queue versus you know, like the, coast, the side game. you know. So yeah. where is it? I mean, you're right. Everybody's on that spectrum somewhere, but, well, guys, have you, is there, is there anything that we really haven't touched on that you would kind of like to drill down just as we're, as we're closing out here, I know you got a lot of things to do this afternoon. and and, uh, you know, head into whatever your diversification plan is for this Saturday, but
2: I think it's cool um, time with the kiddos. Yeah. All right.
1: <laughs> you design your lifestyle, you get to live it. But I mean, just maybe some, some closing, like words of advice that you think would be really helpful to people as, as they you know, they've listened to this and they're going, you know, I, how do we, like I said, how do you bridge that gap from somebody that, that virtually is at ground zero of, you know, not starting anything. They're just kind of thinking through things And then I see Craig and Carrie, they seem like they're 10 miles ahead of me on the journey. You know, how do I, you know, you're so far ahead, I really can't even follow your plan because, you know, there's, there's too much distance between us. But how do you bridge Mm -hmm. that?
0: First and foremost, don't compare your year one or your month one to someone's year 10 or someone's year 20. Not helpful at all, right? The other thing a lot of people don't consider is this idea of your self-image and just how you value yourself, your belief in yourself. People can give all sorts of logical reasons why they don't want to start a business, but most often it's because they don't have the belief that they can Mm, successfully build something or they're not worth it. It's like, why aren't you seeking out a mentor? Because you don't have the confidence. Mm -hmm. It's not because you can't find somebody, social media. Hello.
1: Right. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Successful. There's very good, successful people who likely could help you, or at least lead you to someone who might, Mm -hmm. or at least give you some good direction. Um, There's just as insecure as, as things are in some ways, like the job market right now, there's never been more opportunity. And so not fooling ourselves, like the opportunities are there. It's just, how are you actively growing your self-image and your confidence? And a lot of that just starts with developing really good habits. You can get really basic with it. Like this morning I got up and went to kickboxing. That wasn't something I'd been doing up until a couple weeks ago, but I've just like demanded it to be a new habit for me. It's really healthy. It's really important for my well-being right now. But that in itself, like there were a couple of days where I got up at like 5 30 AM. I normally get up at like eight. So these were active decisions that I made where it just grows my self-image. Like, yeah, I can change my habits. I can change my schedule. I can wake up three hours earlier than I normally would. And that just builds your own self-trust. And when you trust yourself, you trust that you can perform and actually create results, you know, and build relationships with other people and follow through. And I think that's just as important as any technical skill Hmm. is that developing that out. I would agree.
1: I, I mean, I love what they were doing video because when you said, "I I did kickboxing," Craig went, <laughs> he said, "No more lippy, buddy." You know. I know. You can-
2: well, there's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu place that moved into our neighborhood, so I think I might have to give up basketball <laughs> and <right>. meditation. <laughs> that's and start that's right. So I can, I can kind of balance so the, I can thing out a little bit. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Craig, on. bring us home. Um, so he, here's here's what I'll share. it. You were more dynamic than your job title. Therefore, quit trying to put so much pressure on your job to complete you. Mm. It's not gonna happen, nor is any business, nor is any one relationship. That's why we have relationships outside of our marriage, right? And so when I knew that, I knew that I had to do something more than my job. And so I hope that people listening today can grab that and be like, look, the bottom line is, I need to do something, okay? Now the question is what and where and when and how and who. Um, when you're looking for a who and a mentor you don't have to scale up to bill gates if you're trying to get into or sorry you know warren buffett if you're trying to get into investing just find someone who's a couple steps ahead of you that you can actually relate to and we put this in our book like hopefully what we share is empowering because we're not billionaires of Mm -hmm. any industry we didn't do anything we didn't even create a business we didn't invent a product really we just like did certain things, had certain habits and developed certain skills outside of our career that allowed us to create the success we've created. So I think if you focus on skill development and you focus on the right who and you're resolute about it, you'll get there. And and the last thing that I'll share is two, two rules that we have, I shared this yesterday. Uh, number one, you have to get your first client, your first customer, your first sale, Focus on that. Like, how do I just get that? Because that gives you so much momentum and so much energy and excitement. And maybe it's a friend that you know that you do it for a reduced rate. Mm-hmm. You know, um, maybe you charge them 26 packs or 100 beers or something, or like
0: 26 packs. Yeah,
2: what, whatever. <laughs> 26 packs, I think. No, so
0: cube minus four. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> so doing math again. <laughs> yeah. So, like, but get, get like going, right? So the right. first rule is that. And then the second rule is that's not enough, mm-hmm. right? So, oh. so those are the two rules like, get your first sale, get your first client, get your first like actual, like, ball over the goal line. And then number two, that's not enough. And if you just focus then on the skills that it takes, not on whether you're getting all these crazy results, but the skill development right. from people who have already done it. I mean, it's hard to believe that someone couldn't create success on a basic level um, in some, some way, shape or form and, and reach out to people like us or you or others who have, who have done it and just say, hey, Here's where I'm at. Can I can I take some help? And we might ignore your call. We might not, we might not take it the first round, but if you like keep growing and create waves, like someone will help you. There's a lot of people that want to help. And they're not all getting wise that
1: incremental, you know, looking for incremental help. So Carrie, tell us the the talk about the book just as we close and maybe the best place to find you guys online.
0: Yeah. No, the book, uh the book was honestly a neat development from my side, being on social media and seeing so many consultants, so many moderate entrepreneurs who didn't exactly have access to the right content and knowledge. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of books on like front hustling or a lot of idea books, but we really wanted to take a comprehensive, holistic, make it really a guidebook or an adventure guide for people who want to start that journey or maybe struggling on the journey. And really have a lot of foundational mindset with like identifying your values, your life vision, um, figuring out the who, um, figuring out your life set, like getting your life in order because the side hustle life is very different hmm. than a full-time entrepreneur. You have to keep your, your job afloat and you have to figure out how to build a business as someone who likely hasn't before. <laughs> so there's just like a lot of special scenarios that, that require Specific content built around that type of business, um, and then we talk about funding your business, developing the right partnerships, branding, um, you know, learning how to personally develop yourself, decision making, which was a really fun chapter to write because and, most people and
2: hard. <laughs>
0: it was very hard because we wanted to like give people just the best we could, because most people that, I mean, business ownership is just decision after decision, Mm. but most people weren't trained in how to effectively and efficiently make good decisions. And so anyways, we, we really poured our heart into it. And across all industries, we hope it impacts people where they need it. And, um, yeah, it was, it was very fun to write and extremely hard to write. We're not authors by background. So it was like, we talk about getting out of your, uh, you know, threshold or your competency, we've, we're living it ourselves. So that's nope. kind of the neat thing. There's a lot well, of integrity an and like being out of your comfort zone. We
2: had too many examples about writing the book in the book. We're like, <laughs> okay, we got we to change some of these examples because not everyone's writing a book. Um, it's called So You Want to Start a Side Hustle. You can find it anywhere Barnes and Noble, Amazon, all the major channels. McGraw Hill was kind enough to take a chance on us and publish it or published it. Um, and you can find us at tandemconsulting.co um and that's where we have uh you know a couple freebies like the business evaluator that might be interesting for people to take a look at especially based on our discussion today we have a life vision document um and then also um you can find us on linkedin primarily LinkedIn, or
0: instagram tandem.consulting so yeah we look forward to meeting people i'm all about just like the connection on social i think that's been the the fun part about linkedin and that's where we met initially yeah, that's where i think
1: we had our initial connection yeah I have always said there are three books I will never write. I'll never write a book on marriage, parenting, or humility.
0: <laughs> that <laughs> sounds like a book in death. and of itself. That's
2: yeah.
1: Exactly right. Well,
2: exactly th- thanks right. for having us on. It's been it's been a blast, and congrats on your success yeah. and uh, continued continued growth. And anything we can do to support you, let us know.
1: Well, guys, I, I am very grateful that you took the time today and in, in your busy schedules. It's been a real pleasure to have you on. And Really, I just want to thank you again for playing your part in helping all boats rise in a rising tide. Guys, have a great weekend.
0: Thank you, Kevin. Here another episode in the books. We hope you heard some great takeaways. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star review on iTunes and YouTube.
1: As always, thanks for listening to Rising Tide.